Now that the Miami Hurricanes have their coordinators locked in, this should open up more options in recruiting. Let's talk about it. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus. I don't know why that was a tongue twister for me. Longtime South Florida sports radio, but it's because my second show of the day, that's why. Contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen or your first watch today. This is our second episode of the day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Since we now have Lance Gidry in at defensive coordinator, got our D.C., Got our OC and Shannon Dawson, who's also the quarterback's coach. Uh, still have some holes to fill on the offensive coaching staff, of course. But this should give recruits a better idea of what Miami's going to be running offensively and defensively. And hopefully it can open things up again. And that's why we bring in our very good friend, Locked On Recruiting Analyst, John Garcia Jr. John, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Dono. Uh, not as well as his fan base. they got to be breathing that sigh of relief with these coordinator hires behind him. With the amount of complaints that I get about <laughs> Shannon Dawson for reasons I can't fully understand, uh, not everybody's happy. <laughs> not everybody's happy. People love to complain, John. Well, you know, hey, look, it's Miami, right? It's it's uh, it's a, a place where there's so much going on all at once that, yeah, we've got to kind of gripe at one direction. So why not the Canes? I want to remind you guys that every time John Garcia joins us, it's brought to you by LinkedIn. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So, you know, John, I like the fact that Miami's bringing in someone with an air raid background to run their offense, but he seems to be flexible enough that he does put emphasis on the line of scrimmage. I'm not expecting Miami's rushing philosophy to suffer too much for this. And and Shannon Dawson has worked really well with quarterbacks in the past, so I'm excited about the quarterback coaching element. And I think this is the type of offense that appeals to a lot of the – speedy South Florida skill position players. What have you been hearing uh, in the last few days from recruits that Miami's looking at? This is a breath of fresh air for recruits. There's no doubt. Because you have to remember from the Miami angle, sure, you brought in Josh Gaddis last year, but the on-field product combined with his absence after the season, it really halted recruiting from a skill position perspective in particular, because, you know, O-linemen are always going to give Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal the benefit of the doubt. Defensively, things were a lot more stable, at least from an opportunity perspective. Not the case when it came to quarterbacks and skill position recruiting. So I think you saw a bit of a slowdown at the end of 23 into this 2024 cycle. So I think it's a breath of fresh air from a timing perspective ahead of spring practice. And of course, philosophically, you know, when you bringing somebody with a good resume who, who is as hot as he ever was in Josh Gaddis, and it doesn't work out from a traditional pro-style perspective. Naturally, you go the other direction when you move forward, and that's exactly what we're seeing Mario Cristobal do here with uh, Coach Dawson. Uh, up-tempo, very quarterback-friendly, a lot of emphasis on the position. I think a lot of times when we, we look at air raid, we think, okay, quarterback's throwing it down the field. It's really more about the receivers and the scheme, but really – it puts that much more emphasis on the quarterback and decision-making. So naturally that development has to be paramount 
uh, going forward. So I think the timing of it is really important again ahead of spring ball. But for recruiting, look, it's just sexier. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's how quarterbacks are being valued at the highest of levels. If you think about, I mean, look, we just watched the Super Bowl, right? Um, you know, Jalen Hurts didn't get that kind of endorsement until he went to Oklahoma and was able to play in a more wide open offense. And obviously Patrick Mahomes since birth, it feels like has been in an air raid wide open system that has allowed him to maximize his own abilities. That is what sells, especially um, alongside all the rule changes that really favor offenses that move at a higher pace and, and air the ball down the field. So I think all of that just appears more streamlined and normal to to recruits who are coming up you know nowadays because you don't you don't see these run heavy offenses that used to dominate uh, even look at Georgia last year winning the national title they opened things up a whole lot more over the last few years and it wasn't just because of their personnel I think that was just rolling with the flow of offensive football in, in college football so I think it's just a easier sell to recruits when you start to look back at Dawson's history and production at, at many different places, it gets recruits excited, especially at the quarterback position. And we're seeing a lot of positive returns for the U in that direction. And you expect quarterback to be really the first frontier. And now all of a sudden it's a priority. It's always a priority to recruit, but it feels like a bigger priority nowadays because you've had some attrition in the transfer portal and obviously you had two commitments last cycle that went down to one mm. by the traditional signing day with Emory Williams. So quarterback's a big need, and, and the timing to address that is is kind of here. Yeah, and some of the quarterbacks that Miami is looking at for the class of 2024, you know, maybe having a new coordinator and uh, quarterback's coach might change their board a little bit. But, you know, guys that they seem to be going after at quarterback, Aaron Noland, who – Sounds really excited about this hire. He commented on it. He's going to be visiting again in a couple of weeks. Uh, Michael Van Buren, another one Miami's been after. Julian Sayan, who's uh, an Alabama commit, but Miami's still been working hard on him. Luke Moga, another one. Uh, which one of these quarterbacks, John, do you think might fit a Shannon Dawson offense best? It's it's hard not to push in the Air Nolan direction. Uh, first guy you mentioned just a true dual threat uh, who can absolutely sit in the pocket and deliver. I mean, just had a huge 12 months, including an undefeated state title run at Langston Hughes High School up in the Atlanta area last year. Just ultra productive player uh, who's kind of just scratching the surface of what he's going to be from a quarterbacking perspective. You think of a lot of the modern trends at the position, and it's a guy like Aaron Nolan that, that sort of fits that lengthy, plenty of room to fill out, good athleticism on top of it. But really, it's about him planting his feet and and delivering the football. I think that's where you see so much success in these type of offenses. Obviously, Julian Sand, from a pocket passing perspective, to be alliterative, fits very well. uh, But he's committed to Alabama. So I think that's such an uphill battle uh, for Miami. Van Buren has a little bit more of that that dual threat ability, as does Luke uh, from the state of Arizona. So Clearly, that's going to be the direction that Miami is pushing towards from a, a quarterback athletic profile standpoint. Obviously, if you can go get a Julian Sayan, who's not a bad athlete, but not known as a runner, you go get him because he's one of the best arms in the class. But beyond that, it seems like there's a bit of a type developing from Miami. And obviously, that's going to be further with Dawson as, as these spring visits get going here over the next few months. So, yeah, Nolan with that March visit or that early March visit, I think will be really important for Miami because he's kind of the next hottest name 
at the position. Dylan Rayola is the, the top uncommitted quarterback in the country, uh, but we kind of feel like we know the schools that are in it. It's a small group. Um, Ohio State used to have him committed. Now they're cycle, circling back on other names like an Aaron Olin as well. So he's now become the hottest quarterback recruit, uh, not named Dylan Rayola. So his timeline, I think, will be a little bit accelerated. And the, the schools that are trying to move into that contending position are going to have to show themselves sooner rather than later. So I think the timing of this Miami visit, especially with the Dawson hire on board, is going to be really critical. So he's the guy that I have my attention most focused on from a Miami perspective, at least right now. Now, Miami is still looking for a wide receivers coach, but I would imagine from wide receiver recruiting, the subtraction of Josh Gaddis, it's like an addition by subtraction based on the way that offense went last year with receivers. And again, with the type of offense Miami's probably going to run, that's got to be more attractive. Uh, and even before this change was made, Miami seemed to be in a pretty good spot with JoJo Trader, five-star from Chaminade. Uh, Miami fans are always asking about Jeremiah Smith, another five-star from Chaminade, who's an Ohio State verbal commit. Uh, what's the latest on the two of them, and where do you think Miami stands? Miami's swinging away here. Uh, with or without a wide receivers coach, This, these are recruitments that – because they're they're they've been recruits that are established for such a long amount of time. This is Mario Cristobal recruitment, right? So yeah. now Dawson and whoever the receivers coach is becomes a supplement to recruiting Smith and Trader respectively. And really, you're recruiting them together, right? They're close. Uh, they've become not a true package deal, but they've certainly talked about it quite a bit. Ohio State obviously has Smith committed right now, so Miami, Florida, everyone else. Is, is looking up at the Buckeyes, but he's willing to take visits. And I think that's a big part of keeping the door open. You can say all the right things, but if you continue to take visits, schools are going to continue to clamor for you, especially if you're the number one receiver in the country. And with Trader, same kind of deal. Um, similar visits, similar schools involved. It's Ohio State, it's Miami, it's Florida State. It's the same schools in the mix for Trader, even though he is the, the uncommitted one uh, of, of the two. So I think Miami's been in a good spot here for quite some time. You don't count out the Bucks. I think it could be – you could see a split between these two, between Miami and Ohio State. I think no matter which name ends up at which school, I think Miami fans would absolutely take that because you could argue that even though they're close friends and high school teammates at Chaminade, they could be the two best receivers in the country individually. Yeah. So it's a really fascinating back and forth, and they're different. Smith, big, kind of classic wide receiver one – route runner, polished, hands, the whole thing. Trader, a little bit more compact, a little bit more explosive, a little bit more of a wild card uh, from an athletic and polished standpoint. So no matter your, your preference, both of these guys would certainly fit at Miami, especially in this type of offense. Think about what Houston did with Tank Dell, moving him around and utilizing his explosiveness um, as a jet sweep guy, bubble screen guy, and certainly down the field. That stuff's got to be attractive to these guys relative to thinking of Miami a couple weeks ago again. And that's all on top of Mario Cristobal really spearheading this thing individually. Well said. We got to do a little locked on C-SPAN when we come back, because believe it or not, there is Florida NIL legislation that I think is going to help schools like Miami and Florida and Florida state, mostly Miami. I hope going to help, uh, <laughs> going to help them recruit. So I can't wait to talk about it. Keep it locked right here. John Garcia is with me. Unlocked on Canes. 
Folks, I hope you're taking advantage of FanDuel. We're past the midway point of the NBA season. There's still plenty of time. I love wagering on my Miami Heat. This is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on Everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. You can even look at, you know, props on the three-point competition, dunk contest, all the all-star festivities coming up this weekend. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. I love those. So do not miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first and second listen today. Alex Dono alongside our recruiting expert, John Garcia Jr. So, John, Locked on C-SPAN time uh, today. Uh, this was tweeted out by On3NIL. Um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed House Bill 7B, amending the state's NIL law which now means coaches will be allowed to assist in deal facilitation. Uh, now, for people who maybe didn't understand the way NIL has worked, there was this like weird iron curtain where uh, coaches had nothing to do with the process, that it was all between business people and collectives have to sign deals with players completely independently. Uh, that gets a little messy because, you know, maybe coaches might be recruiting certain players. NIL collectives are offering deals to players that the coach doesn't necessarily want. It's just, I don't, it, it seemed like a really awkward situation. Uh, I, I love everything about this bill, John, that now, you know, coaches can be a part of this process. Uh, it just, I don't know, it, it takes like an unnecessary silliness out of this whole thing. Yeah, and look, we've learned a lot in a short amount of time with NIL and a lot of the mishaps, whether you, you look at the school up north or elsewhere, a lot of them seem to be communications based, right? Yeah. So a step towards the collectives and the schools and really the recruits being on the same page is something that you got to certainly feel good about just in general. Of course, this is for the state of Florida. So these three schools in particular will be uh, the beneficiaries. But yeah, it's really a step towards clarity uh, and necessity, I would say. I mean, especially from that Florida perspective, got to feel better about their chances moving forward. But for Miami, for Florida State, for everybody, this is big because this thing is all over the place from an NIL perspective, and it's state by state, not school by school. So in right. some states, high school recruits can negotiate NIL deals uh, on the front end, like in California, in Jane Rashada's case, or Louisiana, in Arch Manning's case, et cetera. So there's, there's different levels, like everything else in this country, of progression through all of these different policies. So for Florida to take any step in the right direction, as conservative as it is, is a big deal because... It's about trying to level the playing field from an NIL perspective. All three schools have already benefited from NIL in general. So this will help them push it forward just a little bit more for clarity's sake, which again, in, in this messy of, of a situation anyway, any step towards clarity has to be viewed as, as something pretty positive. So I do think it opens up a couple more doors from a recruiting perspective and it'll at least allow the schools and or the recruits to know where the other side stands with the collectives in between as opposed to separately. So uh, let's get back to uh, to recruiting because this is about as much politics, I think, as either of us can handle <laughs> on a show. But, hey, this is happening. It's going to help out NIL in the state of Florida. I am all for that. 
Um, you hearing any any buzz uh, from recruits on Lance Gidry and Derek Nicholson on, on the defensive side, the new linebackers coach. So the uh, the off the defensive staff is kind of ahead of the offensive staff when it comes to filling it out. Um, do you think players are going to be excited for a Lance Gidry defense? Because I really like what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think that one is 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 harder to sell on the surface, right? So mm. I think yeah. when you're talking offense in general, hey, pop on YouTube, go look up some stats, and you're probably feeling good or bad or somewhere in the middle. Defensively, not quite that simple relative to the scheme and relative to progression at different spots. But if you do dig into it, Lance Gidry's got a heck of a resume. It's why he was hired twice in a very short amount of time this offseason, ultimately ending up uh, you know, down south at the U. So I think that one is going to reveal itself a little bit more as, as time goes on, right? We're a couple weeks ahead of these spring practice visits that we just talked about going down. Uh, of course, in South Florida, a lot of these defensive recruits are actually going to get over there and be able to, to get one-on-one time with Gidry and, and the rest of that staff when it does fill out on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you mentioned Nicholson, a guy who's who's done it right when, when you when you have that player uh background that on-field background i think it it works wonders uh, of course he played at florida state so i think that'll be funny uh, just from a banter perspective but look i mean there have been several florida state former florida state players to work at the u and, and and they've done some successful things recruiting wise so he's kind of the next one we hear his name a lot uh just from an industry perspective as, as a fast riser uh, again not every player turns into a great coach but when it's a, a player who jumps right into it after his playing days, there is more of an understanding and a rapport with the modern recruit because we just talked about it with NIL. So many elements of the recruiting game have changed just in the last 10 to 15 years, much less yeah. you know, stretching it further. So when, when you do go a little bit younger, you do have a, a higher hit rate in terms of them hitting the ground running. So I like this combination of hires for Miami, but I think the recruiting returns are going to be in the months to come. But but it was important uh, to get those guys on board. And once all of that is implemented and sold, I do think we're going to see consistency from Miami recruiting on that side of the ball, which was a real strength, you know, in 2023 uh, under Mario. I think this was an underrated defensive haul overall for Miami because it was highlighted by negative. It was highlighted by the Cormani McLean stuff. But if you look beyond that, they won some really important battles uh, along the edge and certainly uh, at the second level. And the secondary still ended up uh, being a really solid haul for the U. So at all three levels, I thought Miami did really nice things in 23. And now they're going to have a little bit more stability going into 24. So I'm expecting somewhat similar. Within the past week, Miami has had uh, a change at linebackers coach. And, you know, Charlie Strong was instrumental in the recruitment of four true freshman linebackers coming in. Uh, you lose your running backs coach the other day, Kevin Smith, who, you know, had something to do, obviously, with recruiting Mark Fletcher and Chris Johnson uh, and, you know, basically brought Henry Parrish with them uh, from Ole Miss last year. Uh, you know, you cover recruiting for a living. How, how common is it, like, when, when changes like this happen, especially shortly after players sign a national letter of intent, like – how common is buyer's remorse, or do you think these players are, are more committed to the program despite who their primary recruiter might have been? Yeah, I think there's there's varying levels, Alex. But look, when it's a positional coach, it's it's not as big a deal as the coordinator or obviously the head coach, really. In terms mm -hmm. of the NCAA, because really that's what you're getting at, right? Hey, are, are any of these yeah. guys going to ask out of their letters of intent? And I don't right. really anticipate many more to do so. Because now you're asking the NCAA, unless you want to burn a transfer portal year. So I think because of those circumstances and the fact that 
in those two running backs cases, they're Broward County guys, right? So they're locals to the U. I do think you have a lot more benefit of the doubt towards sticking with the school, embracing this new offensive coordinator and eventual running backs coaching hire, getting into spring practice and kind of seeing where the chips fall from there. Um, every semester, much less every year, is kind of a, a one-by-one uh, window from a, from a roster management standpoint. So I kind of get the sense that since you're already there, you give them the benefit of the doubt. And if, if you still want to move on, you move on at a later date. Yeah. But it, it's less often tied to a positional coach as much as it is a coordinator or certainly a head coach. So there's a belief that th- th- this will roll on uh, under Mario Cristobal despite – probably more changes than, than a lot of us expected. Going back to offense, there was a player I want to ask you about that Miami is uh, reportedly in the mix for. Class of 2024, four-star tight end, Kylan Fox. He's out of Loganville, Georgia. We've seen Miami have uh, quite a bit of success the last couple of years recruiting tight ends. This maybe could end up being another big one for next year. What can you tell us about this player? Well, yeah, fast riser, 50-plus scholarship offers, two-way Ooh. guy, um, just one of these new age tight ends that everybody wants on their roster, right? Long, lean, very athletic, plays a lot of split out wide receiver. So a lot of the traits that fit a more modern offense. Uh, so Kylan's got a huge list of offers. He, he trimmed it to 15, which doesn't sound like a lot. It doesn't sound like a big cut, but when you've got 50 plus, yeah. it is kind of a big cut. And what's interesting about Miami's angle here is they're one of the newest schools in the mix. I think only Stanford is a newer offer to Kylan than Miami. Yet and still, the Canes made the top 15. They're going to get a a spring practice visit at some point in the month of March. And all of a sudden, Miami's got an opportunity to compete with Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama and and Colorado, places he's already been to and experienced. So I think it's fascinating to see Miami's brand power here being late, relatively late to a recruitment yet sticking in it. And this is something we saw a lot last cycle. Again, when the Canes get involved, there's there's a grip strength there um, that galvanizes recruits to at least the point that where they get on campus. And that's really all you could ask for from a recruiting perspective. If you can hang in a race for a blue chip recruit enough to get them on campus, you let the chips fall where they may afterwards. I think outside of Nicholas Harbor, I think Miami got every top recruit it wanted to at least take a trip down to Coral Gables. So once you get past that, you could really allow the board to settle. But Miami's late offer has not burned them in this recruitment. And that alone is fascinating when the kids got 50 plus and established relationships with some of the national blue bloods and national title contenders uh, in this in this country. So um, he's in no rush, which is good news for Miami. He's, he's going to whittle this thing down slowly. I believe he has no official visits set, which is another good sign, because obviously you want the unofficial to get things going, but then you want the official to really solidify your standing. And, and right now it looks like everything is kind of slow. Um, a lot of schools, again, in the mix, Florida, Florida State, that's another one where uh, it's it's a classic SEC, ACC overlapping type of recruitment. So he'll be another one that, you know, we measure a lot of recruiting success by from a head to head perspective. And those are important. And again, Miami won a ton of those last year. Great stuff. Make sure you guys follow John on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. Make sure if you're a small business owner or a hiring manager, you're 
posting your available jobs for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Uh, hopefully Mario Cristobal is using this to find his next uh, wide receivers and running backs coaches. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Awesome stuff here by John. Guys, make sure you smash the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to an audio version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods, make sure to subscribe. And we'll talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.